Praise the Lord. Thank you, Trio. That was fantastic. And Dr. Day, man, I like to see the worship pastor, some gyration, you know, some movement up there. I, I like that. God bless you, brother. That was good. Dr. Patterson, thank you so much for um, allowing me to come to um, one of my favorite places on the planet. And um, I'm, I'm very honored and humbled that you would say what you did about me and preaching. But I, I, I want to do one better. He is my favorite preacher uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention. I love to hear him and Dr. Johnny Hunt. They're my two of my favorites. And the reason I love Dr. Patterson to hear him is because whenever he preaches, I always learn uh, something. It's a didactic moment whenever he stands up and teaches God's Word. And so good to have my son, Brian, up here on the... Yeah, I know what it's called. I'm just I'm a little emotional. Um, this place, stage, podium, and uh, have my other son, Layton, out there, uh, Dr. Patterson. Um, I don't know if y'all know his name is Leighton Page Patterson or Page Leighton Patterson, one of those. And uh, we didn't name you after him, but anyhow, that's, uh, that's, that's his uh, name. Um, but Leighton Ford we did, Billy Graham's uh, brother-in-law. And then my wife, so glad to have her and some of our church members from uh, Great Hills Baptist Church, the Woodbys, God bless y'all. And uh, what's your name, ma'am? Miss, Miss Stone, glad to have you. And Dr. Patterson, we've had some other guests come in that I didn't know for sure would be here. And it's Dr. Endel Lee and his wife, Kathy. Uh, Endel just got promoted to an admiral, uh, which is a, a very lofty thing. And he has a Ph.D. in homiletics from this institution. So <laughs> praise the Lord for them. I'm so glad that they, uh, they came. He's one of my closest friends. We became friends in 1982 in Mobile College. And uh, so glad to see him again. Well, I'm honored to preach God's Word to you. I understand the Sitzim Laban. I understand the situation in life at Southwestern Seminary. You are near the end. This is the eschaton of the semester. And I can tell by the looks of some of your faces. You have travailed and you've labored to this point. And God bless you. You're almost done with this spring semester. And so I was thinking and praying, God, what would you have me preach? And I really was leaning, uh, Dr. Queen, I know you're here somewhere. I was leaning toward Romans 1. 16 and 17. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And, and I thought about that, and I said, well, I really want to preach that text. But then I just kept feeling the Holy Spirit leading me to go toward the end of Romans instead of the beginning. And so I want to share a message with you out of Romans 15, uh, chapter 13, only one verse of Scripture. And it really is a message of hope and encouragement. And I, and, and I really want to encourage you today as you are here uh, to be encouraged in the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with hope. And so uh, Romans 15 and verse 13 is our text today, and I'll read it for you. It is one of my favorites. Just committed it to memory just a few weeks ago. Now may the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may just barely by the skin of your teeth get by with hope. That's not what it says, does it? That you may parasite, you may abound and overflow with hope or in hope by the dunamis, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I'm praying that you would take this sacred text and apply it to the hearts of the people that are here today. Lord, we all need a word of encouragement. God, we all need and stand in need of a message of hope that to be reminded, God, that you are sovereign, that you are the reigning despot, the ruling monarch of this universe, and you are absolutely in control. And we just sometimes need to be reminded, and Lord, we just need to cast ourselves upon you, upon your mercy and grace again, that you would sustain and that you would bless 
this seminary family, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And seriously, I want to pray that from the president to the janitor on campus, that you are blessed and encouraged today. You say, well, I get the president part, but what about the janitor? The first three years I was on campus, I was a janitor. And I worked over in Cowden Hall, the music school. And uh, amen, Dr. Day, I was over there with, with, your, uh, with your tribe. And it was, it, was a, uh, it, was, it was a pedagogical teaching moment for me for three years to be cleaning toilets, vacuuming carpet, and I did rise to the rank of supervisor, amen, and so I, I was happy about that. And I, I remember vividly one day I was um, vacuuming the carpet in Cowden Hall, had my blue shirt on. I don't know if that means anything to anybody. We used to don those blue shirts. They still do, all right? And I, and I remember I was, I was vacuuming the carpet, and I just had a moment with the Lord. I just stopped, and I'd already had my bachelor's degree, and I was working on my master's degree, and I, I know God had called me, and I believe he had actually given me some gifts, and I just had a moment with the Lord. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever done this, and I said, God, what is the deal? Have you forgotten me? I, do you see me down here? I am vacuuming this carpet. And inaudibly but powerfully, the Holy Spirit just encouraged me, keep doing what you're doing. Keep vacuuming that carpet. I've got a plan for your life. It's going to come to fruition. It's going to be far greater than you can ever imagine. Just be, mm, be faithful in the little things, and I will entrust to you other and greater things. That may be some of you today. And I just want to come alongside you and encourage you and remind you, God sees you. God knows you. He has your, um, he has your phone number. He has your email. He's got all the data on you. He has not forgotten you. And God wants to speak to you today to give you a message of encouragement and a message of hope. And I just pray uh, that you receive it today. Romans 15, 13. It's the text that, uh, of a book that I just finished reading. And it's the main text of a book called The Hope Quotient by a pastor in California uh, named Ray Johnston. He dedicates the whole book to the premise of God being a God of hope. Very powerful book. And by the way, I would encourage you to, to read it. And you, you've all heard of IQ, intelligence quotient, and how you can raise your intelligence quotient through study and memorization and reading and those kind of disciplines. But he argues, and forcefully so, that you can actually raise your hope quotient and you can experience more of the hope and the power of God if you will focus on this passage of Scripture. So I took him at heart. And I read the book, and I even went online and watched the man preach. He's a great expositor of the Word of God. And, and so I began to read this Romans 15, 13, because I just want to make a confession to you. And, I, and I'm supposed to share this later in my notes, and I do have notes. I did not read How to Preach Expository Sermons Without Notes in Seminary. I, just, I didn't read that book, and so I, I've got my notes here. And I hope Dr. Patterson didn't come up and take them away, but I'll just stand over here and <laughs> preach to y'all. But I, I, read that, um, I read that book, and... I remember why I read it. I, this is just a transparent moment, but I don't know if any of you guys battle with the noonday demon. I don't know if anybody that battles with depression or discouragement, despondency. I do, and I have battled it for many years. And uh, not to the point of being suicidal or anything like that, but just battling it, the battle of the mind. The shield of faith is my favorite weaponry that I can quench all the... Anybody? the fiery darts of the evil one. And I have found that there is absolutely something explosively powerful in Romans 15, 13. And I just want you to know, man, when those doubts creep in and when the enemy starts piercing me, 
I, I began to quote this passage of Scripture, and I'm telling you, God begins to lift my spirit. God begins to, to work in me, and I, and I sense this joy. Mm, I sense this hope. I sense this power. I sense this encouragement. You say, well, where do you get all that? I get it from the Word of God. This is God's Word. It is inspired. It is true. It is infallible. And I just want you to know this. It works. <laughs> the Word of God works. And so Romans 15, 13, what I want to do today is I want to look at it exegetically for just a few minutes, a biblical study with you, if you will. And then I just want to close with just two words of, of application. So if I am just studying with you for a few minutes, just bear with me with a little bit of the exegesis, and then we'll look at some words of application. John Broadus, the famous homiletics professor in Southern uh, of another decade, another year, millennium, he used to say, application is the most important part of your preaching. And so I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would make application to his sacred text to you today. So the biblical study, I want to look at three key words, three operative words in Romans 15, 13. Now, if you're preaching it, you may choose other words, but you're not preaching it today. I'm going to preach it, and I'm going to look at three key words with you, okay? And the first one is hope. Uh, Paul says, now may the God of this appellation of hope. Now may the God, he didn't say of sovereignty and the God of power and the God of uh, providence. No, he says, now may the God of hope and may he fill you with all joy and peace. What is hope? Have you ever asked that? Well, what does it mean by hope? You ever use the phrase, well, I hope so. Well, that is not the idea that is communicated here. Hope is the, here's my definition for it. I, I don't have many original thoughts, but here's one. Here's hope. The confident assurance that God is going to take care of everything. The confident assurance that God is in control and he is going to take care of everything, whatever that thing may be for you. May it be in your studies, may it be in your marriage, may it be in your finance or lack thereof, amen. It may be in your church, it may be whatever you're dealing with. The God, Paul says, and the God of hope will fill you with all this joy and all this peace. It's good to be reminded that God is a God of hope. And plurao, he will fill you to overflowing, that you may abound in hope. A present active, I like that, present tense infinitive. That you may abound in hope. You know what the present tense is, amen? It's continual, ongoing, habitual, perpetual, ongoing hope. God is a God that supplies that hope. His, mm, his river of hope runs freely and it never dries up. And if there's a dam that tries to obstruct it, praise God, it just bursts right through it as we believe, as we trust in him. He is the God of hope. I, I like that. The next word is the word believe. You say, well, you skip joy and peace. Brother, what is up with joy and peace? I love joy and peace. Amen. But I want to talk to you about believing because joy and peace is to no avail unless you believe God. Unless you trust God, trust and obey. Because there's really no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust Him and obey Him. The match that ignites the fire of the Holy Spirit is simple trusting God. Why is it so? Why do we complicate that so? It all goes back to the rudiments, the basics, the foundation that I live the Christian life the way I enter the Christian life. And that is not by works. That is by faith and by trusting in him. Our faith reaches into the eternal, but it denies the daily, one preacher said, and I agree. 
If the dam that blocks the river of the flow of God's power to us, if that dam has a name and it's called unbelief, then let me tell you what obliterates that dam and allows the river of God's blessing and favor and hope to flow through us. It is that dynamite called belief. Trust, simple faith in God. One New Testament scholar, Mounts, Dr. Mount, says this about our text, Romans 15, 13. The prayer that was, was that God would fill the believers at Rome with all joy and peace. However, that it only came as you trust in Him. While it is God who provides the joy and peace, it is our continuing confidence and trust in God that enables Him to bless us as He does. Now listen to this last part. It is not up to us to conjure up hope or any other spiritual quality. Ooh, just, just couldn't wait to read this part. Listen to this. Our only access to empowerment is to believe, end of quote. Our only access that taps into the very power, the dunamis of God, is for us as his children to believe and to have faith and simple childlike trust. I don't know who that's for today, but let me say it to you again. The problem is you don't trust God. You're not believing God. Yes, your faith reached into soteriology, hallelujah. You reached into heaven and you, you came to faith in Christ and you had faith enough to believe. And I want to encourage you to have faith enough today to walk, to say, yes, God, you are sovereign. God, you are in control. You're the God of hope and I believe in you. No, 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 the last word. The word is power. Oh, I like this word. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the what? The power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Jew first, also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith unto faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know that verse. I almost preached on that. I tell you all a minute ago. Martin Luther, his tumor lateness, when he encountered Romans 1, 16 and 17, he said it was like a bird had been let out of a cage. And that Augustinian monk who was working for the Lord, working for his salvation, he said, when I read Romans, I was lecturing, he said, on Romans 1, 16 and 17, he said, I read it and it's like God set me free. And I want y'all to know something. I had the same experience with Romans 10, 9, when God saved me and set me free, praise the Lord. And I had a like experience when I read Romans 15, 13, almost for the first time a few months ago when I began to understand and realize what God was, had been trying to tell me all along. I'm the God of hope. I have all power. You just have to believe. It's the word dunamis. Don't you love that? It's where we get the English word dynamite. And the corollary passage to me is, is Ephesians 1.19. I love Ephesians 1.19. Do we have that passage of Scripture? Oh, there it is. Look at there. Look at there. And what is the exceeding greatness of his, say it, seminary family, his power, the power of God. And by the way, that is the word dunamis. Toward us who doubt and fear and worry and have anxiety. No, what is the exceeding greatness of the power of God toward us who, say it with me, believe. Now look at the next part. According to the working of God's mighty kratos. That's a totally different word. It's not dunamis, it's Kratos. Now, let me tell you something, guys. There are some masculine and just some strong words. That's one of them, amen? Kratos. We got a German shepherd, and I wanted to name it Dr. Patterson Kratos, but I got vetoed, amen? My wife, she said, we're not naming the dog Kratos. I said, what in the world is that? I said, it's strength. 
It's unmitigated power and authority and the sovereignty of God is on display when he says, now I'm the God of hope and I'm filling you with joy and peace and believing and just in case you missed it, I want you to abound in hope because it is through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You say, how do I unleash that power in my life? You got to trust God, believe God and he will unleash his kratos and dunamis in your life. You say, well, thank you for that brief exegetical moment. Now, what about the application? What, how does this really apply to me? So the amazing thing about God's Word, He'll make application where I can't even begin to make application. And guys, just as a sidebar here, can I encourage you to please preach the Word of God? Whatever you do, take the sacred text. I just finished two years of studying the book of Revelation church almost excommunicated me, but we, they stayed with me. I'm just kidding. It, it, was, it was a fun study. And now I'm studying the book of Genesis, 37 through 50, verse by verse with our people as we study the life of Joseph. And here's what I'm finding. Man, when you start preaching God's Word, the Word of God is awesome. And God speaks, and God convicts, and God massages, and God moves, and God works in mighty ways if we're just faithful to His text. Romans 15 is an interesting text within its context. In preparation for our message today, and I think I've preached on this text one time in my life, verse 13, so it wasn't a sugar stick. It wasn't something I was just overly familiar with, but it was something the Holy Spirit said, I don't care about that. You preach that text because there's somebody out there in that seminary family who is waffling, they are worried, they are anxious, they are concerned, they think I have abandoned them. So you get up there and you remind them, I have not abandoned them, I love them, I'm in control of their life, I called you to the ministry, I will sustain you through the ministry, and you're going to finish and finish well. That's from the heart of God to somebody here today who needed, who needed to hear that word of encouragement. Romans 15, I read it over and over and over, and I just kept... Just falling in love with it more and more as, as Paul, he says, serve one another and encourage one another. And he gives himself as an example. He says, I don't want to preach where Christ has already been preached. Man, I want, to, I, want to, I want to lay the foundation and look at Christ. And he starts quoting all these Old Testament texts, how Jesus was the messenger to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And I, and I was just found myself just getting encouraged and, and blessed as I read this text. And I'm hoping this is going to happen to you. The two truths that I want to share with you from this text in closing is this. Number one, it's going to be very utilitarian. I'm just going to be very pragmatic and practical with you for just a moment. Don't associate with those that are going to steal your hope and joy. I wish somebody had told me this when I was in my 20s. Because it's taken me till I'm in my 50s to understand that you can please some of the people some of the time, help me. But you can't please all the people all the time. I believe it was Abraham Lincoln who said, I don't know the key to success, but I do know the key to failure. And that's trying to please everybody. <laughs> that's a good word. Don't associate with those who will steal your joy. And I, I got this from Dr. Johnston, that pastor. But when I read it, I thought, wait a minute. You're a pastor. What if those toxic joy stealers are members of your church, then you shoot them. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just make sure y'all are awake. All right? Good? No, you can't shoot them. And as Jerry Vine says, the Christian never has the right to be unkind. 
chew on that one for a little while. No, you are their pastor, and you love them, but you don't have to hang out with them. If they're going to sap your joy, and David Jeremiah, when he, many years ago, he's still there, pastor in, in San Diego, but he had a guy in his church that was just ripping him apart. And by the way, if you haven't had that experience yet, just stay in the ministry a little bit longer, all right? And you will experience the, the ripping apart and the anger of, of, of people. And all you're trying to do is the will of God and be a faithful messenger of the gospel. But he said, this guy was just tearing me apart. And, and, and he just was verbally and writing about me. And, and he got cancer. And the, f- the first person to call him, the first person to go over to his house was his pastor. Yeah, you don't have to associate with them, but but you do have to love them. But be careful of those who would steal your joy. And the writer says, here are some toxic hope killers. Bitterness, worry, looking back and comparing, guilt, and past failures. Here, Here in my manuscript it says, I hope you have much joy. That you hang out with people you like to hang out with. I wish I'd learned this a few decades ago that it, it, it's okay not to work 60 and 70 hours a week. Just slow down a little bit. Spend more time with your family. Hang out more with your friends. Go shoot guns some more, amen. Go hit the golf ball. Ladies, go shop or play tennis or whatever you... Enjoy this ride. The, the Greek word is, is pos. It's easy to miss this, isn't it? Now may the God of hope fill you with all. Oh, joy. True story of a little fella. He was um, with his mom in a restaurant. It was just the two of them. And he, I think he was like five or six years of age. And, and he said, Mommy, can, can I say the blessing? And she says, well, sure, honey, say the blessing. And he said, dear God, you are good. You are great. Thank you for this food and the ice cream that I know my mom is going to get from me. With liberty and justice for all, amen. That's, that, that's what he prayed. I'm serious, that, that was his prayer. And people sitting around, you know, the, the tables in the little, in the little cafe there, they were, <laughs> they were chuckling, but not this one lady. I mean, she got upset. She said, kids these days, asking God for ice cream, he ought to be ashamed of himself. And the little boy heard it, and big tears swelled up in his eyes. He said, Mommy, did I do something wrong? Boy, Mama was mad. You ever seen a mom get mad? You start messing with the, the little ones? And she just, she just bit her tongue, she did, and she didn't have to say anything because this older gentleman walked over to the table. True story. He said, Hey there, young man. He said, I know God. God thinks that's a great prayer. That's what he told the little boy. And then the elderly guy, he had a little spunk in him. He looked over to the, to the woman and he says, you know what? She needs some ice cream. That's, that's what she needs. <laughs> About that time, the mom, she, uh, she ordered the biggest bowl that they had in the, in the restaurant. And they brought this big old bowl of chocolate ice cream. And that little boy, he looked at that ice cream and you probably guess what he did. Picked it up. He walked over to that lady. He put it before and he said, Ma'am, everybody can use some ice cream. It'll do your soul good 
my soul's good already. That's what he told me. <laughs> can, I, can I just encourage the church, stay away from people like her, okay? <laughs> Emulate more the, the guy in the story. Be, be that hope encourager, that hope inspirer. And that's the second thing I want to close with you today. Number, number two is inspire hope and joy in other people. And when you read Romans 15, you'll get it. it. He says, serve one another, love one another, prefer one another. And look at Jesus and his example. And Paul says, look, look at me for a moment in my example. And Paul, he, he concludes chapter 15. He's on his way to, you know, he's taking up this offering, wants to give it to the saints there in Jerusalem. Then he wants to go back out and, and minister again. And so I, I, hope, I hope you take this jewel with you for a moment. That the way that you're going to experience the joy and the peace and the favor and the glory of God, watch this, is when you begin to give it to others. It is magical. It is mystical. It is powerful. Inspire hope and joy in other people's lives. I, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time telling this story, but I'm, I'm going to tell it. And it's, it's, I may just have an ugly cry here for a moment. Hold on. How many of y'all have heard of uh, Howard Hendricks, the Bible teacher, Bible professor? Many of you have. Fifty years he taught. Dallas uh, Theological Seminary, that other school on the other side there. And, uh, you know, David Jeremiah mentioned him earlier. said he had a profound influence on my life. Hey, professors, God bless y'all. You don't realize the profound influence that you have on these women and these men. They are watching you, and you don't even realize they're watching you. And they're going to they're take on the contour and the context of, of your ministry. They're gonna, that's how they're going to react to people. That's how they're going to teach the Bible. Chuck Swindoll says, I write today because what Howard Hendricks wrote on my research paper. Chuck Swindoll turned the paper in, and Howard Hendricks wrote these words. Chuck, one day... You will write. That's strong. He saw something. He believed in him. But Howard Hendricks wasn't always like that. In fact, when he was born, his parents divorced, and his grandmother raised him. And he was a little hellion. He was, I mean, uncontrollable. You say, wait a minute, the 50-year-plus professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, he had that kind of background? Yes, he did. In fact, his fifth-grade teacher... She put duct tape on his mouth. I mean, you, you can't do that today. She wrapped him up and set him in the chair. And she said, let me tell you something, little Howie. You and your little buddies, you're all going to end up in prison one day. That's what she told him. She was a prophetess. Three of his five ended up in prison, but not Howard Hendricks. And I'm going to tell you why. Finished fifth grade. He had a chip on his shoulder, I mean a large boulder, and he went in to his sixth grade class. Just demonstrate for you just a minute. He sat there just like this. And he just stared at his teacher. Her name was Miss No. N O E. Okay, Miss No. And he just looked at her like this, like, oh, he was just he was mad. Mad at the world, mad at school, mad at teachers. And she began to call the roll. And she said, Howard Hendricks? And he said, present. Boy, he just, he just, he's on edge. You know, he's just mad. He's just ready. 
She looked at the roll. She looked over at him. She goes, I've heard about you. And he was like, you betcha you have. And he, I mean, really, he was just like, and you ain't heard the last stuff. And he was just all cocky and all mad. And then she said these words. But I don't believe a word of it. Howard Hendricks said something happened to me that day. He said all the hurt and the pain and the anger and the discouragement, it melted away when that one lady looked at me and smiled and said, I don't believe a word of it. I believe God has great plans for your life. Would y'all be like her? Inspire hope, encouragement, and joy and peace as, as God of hope He's overflowing you with joy and peace and believing through the power of His Spirit. Can I encourage you all to be those kind of people? Don't be like the person, you know, just get real with you for just a moment. There's some of you, bless your hearts, you, you were born in the bitter mood. I mean, you, you, you just, you know, what's that? Some are born to sing the blues. Journey song, if anybody remembers that. Some are born to sing the blues, you know. It's a bad Steve Perry, but he sings really high. Amen. Kathy, me now. Some are born to sing the blues. Listen, when you walk in a room, and, and guys, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because sometimes I can get in that cocoon and I can get in that ministerial fog of just, you know, whatever. When you walk in a room, you don't want people walking away. You want people walking towards you. And you want to light it up. And you want to be a person of of joy and peace. I, that's another reason why I love your president. He didn't pay me to say, in fact, he didn't pay me anything to come today. I'm just happy to be here. But that's one of the things I love about Dr. Patterson. This is something a lot of people don't know about him. Is he loves to have a good time, and he has a lot of joy in his life. He has a lot of compassion in his life. I was uh, on a mission trip. hadn't planned on sharing this part, but uh, put my notes over here, but I was on a mission trip with uh, Miss Dorothy, your son-in-law, and uh, my friend, Dr. Mark Howell, and we're about to go back to Peru together here in a few months, and I just love him. He was texting me this morning. He goes, he may be watching online. He says, I hope you're good. He says, because I get distracted easily, and so I'm like, well, I hope, hope he's still watching. He may not be watching right now. He said, um, I said, well, what do you do when people criticize Dr. Patterson in your presence? Because sometimes they do. He said, I ask them, do you know him? Do you know him? And I appreciate your, pa your, your pastor. I appreciate your professor. I appreciate your president. And he's an encouragement to me. And, and I hope that this message encourages you today. Okay? So here's what I want to do as I close. I can't believe it's 1050. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And uh, that's, that's unusual. But uh, let, me, let me say a prayer for you. And I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I thought through this and I want to pray from my heart to the heart of God to your heart. Your heads bowed and with your eyes closed. Some of you guys and gals going through the valley and it's hard. Some of you are trying to determine if you're even going to come back next semester. Some of you are trying to determine if if you're going to stay with your marriage. You say, well, you don't really understand your Sitzim Laban, Brother Dan. This is a seminary. I, I know it's a seminary. And the devil knows it's a seminary. 
And if he can discourage you and distract you and hurt you and harm you and take you out, my friend, he will. Some of you are in the valley of decision. Some of you are suffering and you're, you're discouraged. Can I just say, with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, some of you are depressed. As a fellow sojourner and struggler, let, let me ask you to do this. Memorize Romans 15, 13 today. And then memorize Ephesians 1, 19 today. And when the enemy shouts at you and when he tries to hurt you and harm you, discourage you, this is what I want you to do. To lift up that shield of faith that is coated in the word of God. And you begin to quote, now may the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace in believing that I may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward me who believes according to the working of God's mighty power. I, I just want you to know something. If you'll do that, that fog and that discouragement will begin to dissipate and the bright, shining light of the Holy Spirit will illuminate your darkened soul. Father, I pray for these dear brothers and sisters and not only the students, but also the faculty, Lord, the administration, the staff, from the president to the janitor and all in between, I pray that their hope quotient will have been increased today. I pray, Lord, that they will finish, if it's this week or next week, whenever their final exams are, God, they will take them and they will finish well. And that, Lord, you would protect them from the evil one. And God, when they get discouraged or when those discouraging people start coming in their life, God, help them. To combat that not only with the word of God but with the people of God and hanging out with good godly folks who will build them up and bless them. Lord, thank you for this place. I pray incredible blessings on Southwestern Seminary and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.